there. Welcome back. It's glad to have you here on the Red River Rising. I'm uh, Pastor Mike, uh, along with my, my buddy, my pal, my author, my cohort in uh, podcast world here, I guess, but uh, Mr. Rick Salcedo. And uh, today's message is called uh, Jeroboam Foolishly Feared. And uh, uh, most of you, I, I don't even know that if I asked you if you knew who Jeroboam is, would be able to answer that yes. It's a, it's not a really popular name that's preached a whole lot uh, in churches and in Bible studies. But uh, I kind of like where you, you went with this lesson plan, Rick, that you laid out here. So I'm looking forward to it. But tell us a little bit about who Jeroboam is. Well, Jeroboam lived during the time of Solomon. And he was a, a young man, and he was uh, involved. He he was one of the leaders of the uh, building projects that took place in Jerusalem. And Solomon was impressed with his leadership and his management and organizational skills and all that. So he kind of made a name for himself there in Jerusalem. And um, then later, the prophet Ahijah comes along and prophesies that he is going to be king over ten tribes in Israel. Okay. And so once Solomon hears that, well, he 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 sets out to kill him, and he, and Jeroboam flees to Egypt, where he lives for almost twenty years. So that's the background on Jeroboam. Okay. Well, good. All right. So let's get into it. Where are we going to get started at here, Rick? Well, I'm going to start off on First Kings chapter eleven, and we're going to read verses twenty nine through thirty one, and then skip the thirty five and thirty seven. Okay. Because all these have to do with the prophecy. Uh, commissioning Jeroboam as he's as a future king over um, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes. Okay. And it reads, uh, It came about at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him on the road. Now Ahijah had clothed, him, clothed himself with a new cloak, and both of them were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new cloak which was on him and tore it into twelve pieces he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give and give you ten tribes. And then verse 35, it says, But I will take the kingdom from his son's hand and give it to you, even ten tribes. And then finally 37, it says, I will take you and you shall reign over whatever you desire and you shall be king over Israel. So the prophet... Uh, meets Jeroboam in private and he and he speaks a prophecy over him where God is through the prophet is commissioning Jeroboam to be king over Israel replacing the Davidic dynasty mm-hmm. and the, the Davidic dynasty is simply uh, David's descendants continuing the rule over Israel right and um, then we move on into uh, we see here we kind of skipped around because intermixed with those verses the prophet also spoke about David's descendants. And this is, this is an example of God's mercy and compassion and faithfulness and love towards those who are faithful and love him. That sounds like the God I serve. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yep. And so in First Kings chapter 11, we're going to uh, read verses 32, 34, and 36. And it says, but he will have one tribe. And, and uh, the prophet's referring to the descendants of David. Okay. said, but he will have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, who, whom I chose, who observed my commandments and my statutes. 
But to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may have a lamp always before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen my, for myself to put my name. So it says here, for the sake of my servant David, who observed my commandments and my statutes. Right. So David was faithful and obedient to God his whole life, except for that one incident with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, which he re- confessed and repented of. Right. Now, and we've talked about that before, where David was uh, quick to repent, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was the key, I believe, to that relationship, was that uh, he recognized where he had messed up and, and was very eager to make it right mm-hmm. in the sight of God as soon as possible as well, too, because we all stumble and we all fail. Right. And we, we, we tend to see with national leaders, you know, they tend to get puffed up with pride and, oh, yeah. and they'll just come up with one lie after another to cover up stuff. Right. And we see a lot of that going on in Washington DC today. Yes, we do. And, um, but David wasn't like that. I mean, David, right. um, he, he was always, you know, when, when he was confronted, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, like you said, he was quick to repent. And when the prophet Nathan confronted him, he didn't, he didn't, him and haw and come up with any excuses or Saul was bad about that. Right. Saul would Saul always was, say, right. you know, Oh, well it's, you know, the people did this yeah. or, you know, this, that, and the other, he would always come up with excuses. David just said, when Nathan said, thou art the man, David said, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, there's a difference there of who, who ruled for who David was ruling the people for God, you know, I mean, where Saul was ruling the people for himself mm-hmm. and that really played out. And I believe that's one of the reasons why Saul was so intimidated by David was because David was not looking out for his own interests. He really was looking out for God's chosen people, right. their interest and how God wanted them mm-hmm. to proceed for. And that's what a good leader does anyway. Yeah. Ultimately, David cared more about what God thought of him. That's right. Saul cared more about what the people thought. That's right. He That's he, right. he was a people yeah. appeaser. Yeah, and they wanted a king. Remember, they asked yeah. for it, and so they got what they wanted. Didn't yeah. They? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. Let's continue on, then, buddy. Okay. So, um, because David lived faithfully for God, God allowed the Davidic dynasty to continue to rule over the little tribe of Judah. Mm-hmm. So, so because of David's faithfulness, his his descendants continue to rule even though it was a much smaller kingdom you know and you could play that all the way down to the lineage of jesus christ through that mm-hmm. as well so there's there's a lot there's a lot of history just in that too from that tribe of judah mm-hmm. too maybe we'll do that on another podcast yeah and, and mentioning jesus he was a descendant of david yes and now he's the king of kings that's right and the lord of lords that's right so dave actually david's dynasty even though it kind of shrunk a little bit yeah. now it's it's yeah. The, the biggest one there is now. <laughs> That's where you the know, lineage when, when, from. Yeah. When you look at all creation. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll have to do a podcast on that one time. Get into that too. All right. Yep. So go ahead, brother. So, and we, um, we see here, uh, God's faithfulness in Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, uh, chapter 7 verse 9. It says, Now therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Yep. So this is, uh, just God revealing himself to the nation of Israel. Um, he's the, the Lord, he's the Lord God mm-hmm. and he's the faithful God and he keeps covenant and he has steadfast love. Mm-hmm. That's God's nature. Right. And it says, uh, you know, he, he, ha- he, this is his attitude towards those who love him back mm-hmm. and keep his commandments. Mm-hmm. 
and this term to a thousand generations, I think that's kind of a metaphor for from generation to generation to generation indefinitely. Right. And as long as a generation keeps covenant with God and has steadfast love towards God, he's faithful towards them. Well, that's what that covenant is. A covenant is agreement on both parties. And so it's everlasting until one of those parties decide to break the covenant, right? And that's so right. So God can't lie. So that's basically what he's saying here. Right. He says, I can't lie. So on my end, it will always be there. It's just going to be up to you to do your part with it as well. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, so in uh, so as long as the generations, you know, of David's descendants were faithful and served God as David did, you know, their kingship would be assured, Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen, unfortunately. And we see that in first Kings 11, 33. And this is why God commissioned Jeroboam to be king. Uh, It reads, because they have forsaken me and have worshiped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the God of Moab and Milcom, the God of the sons of Ammon. And they have not walked in my ways doing what is right in my sight and observing my statutes and my ordinances as his father David did. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, Solomon, in his old age, see, he had a multitude of wives. Right. And most of them grew up in a pagan society. Mm-hmm. They had religions where they worshipped false gods. Mm-hmm. And in Solomon's old age, that influence led him astray. Right. And so Solomon was allowing and even participating in the worship of these false gods to appease his wives. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what uh, what uh, peer pressure can do in all mm-hmm. forms. And, uh, of course, I mean, he had a lot of wives, absolutely. But, uh, you know, just think, and it's not, it's one little step at a time. That's how he got there. I mean, this is Solomon. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like it just one day woke up and flipped the switch and said, all right, here's what I'm going to allow. Mm-hmm. It was probably one little compromise at a time. Right. And we do that so often. We really have to stand fast and be steadfast in our convictions mm-hmm. and the moral uh, outline and uh, law laid down to us, really, mm-hmm. of how we need to live. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches us is the doctrines of the Bible, of, of what we believe in, and then uh, how we live that life of those things that we believe in that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, and you know, there's a couple illustrations that apply here. The slippery slope. That's right. You that's know, good. little by little, but next thing you know, it, it's all out of control. That's exactly right. Uh, the boiling frog. That's illustration. right. Yep. Yep. Little by little, next thing you know, you're you're cooked. Yeah. So, Rick, what would you say would be the best way to recognize that you're in the hot water? I would uh, put it as to comparing it to something mm-hmm. so you ought to be constantly reading and studying in the bible and what will happen is when you're doing that i believe the holy spirit will bring to light stuff that's in your life that doesn't need to be there mm-hmm. and kind of purge that to you and bring it up saying man you know maybe we shouldn't be doing this in my household mm-hmm. maybe this isn't i just read this scripture talking about this and yet i've allowed this in my own home or maybe have compromised on these and will keep us in check Whereas if we mm-hmm. just rely upon our own natural reasoning, which is then based upon the natural man and not the supernatural man, we could very easily get wrapped up. we got no checks and balances is what yeah. I'm getting at. And that's why it's important to spend time in God's presence and read the word. That's right. That's right. Because God, you know, God will speak to you in that small, still voice, and he'll speak to you through the Bible, through yeah. scripture. That's right. And so, yeah, that's a really good point. 
And so um, ultimately here, you know, God had told the children of Israel in Exodus 20, verse 3, you must not have any other gods but me. And Solomon, even though he, and this just amazes me, he was the wisest man that ever lived. Right. And he yeah. blew it. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so it just, it just uh, it emphasizes how flawed human sin nature, you know, humans are with sin nature. Yeah. You know, we, even the wisest man in the world that ever lived in humanity, the history of humanity, blew it. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely need a savior. <laughs> yeah, amen. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, Rick, yeah, I think that kind of sums up a good section right there, Rick. Um, I will probably, uh, pick back up here next time if that works for you. Yeah. So we'll do, we'll call it a day here at Red River Rising and we thank you for listening and, We hope you got something out of it, and join us next time as we continue to discuss faith over fear. Um, We'll get into that in more depth next time. But until then, keep preparing your heart for the coming revival. Amen. Amen.